So we're going to wrap up this love like Jesus idea, and uh, my goal today is to kind of talk something about, uh, it's rather personal for uh, Sarah and I particularly, and the plan was to have my youngest son Eli come out and uh, share with you also, and uh, suddenly he got cold feet and went downstairs, and I decided instead of dragging him out here and needing to add to his counseling fund for the future that we would just let him go to class. Um, but if he was here, he would tell you that he was the new pastor, and um, he wanted to share some things with you. And then he changed his mind this week and said, actually, uh, I want to be second pastor. And I said, well, Pastor Craig's already second pastor. He said, well, get rid of Pastor Craig. I'll be second pastor. <laughs> and then he said, but hold on, we need Pastor Craig's boat, so I'll be third pastor. <laughs> um, and that's what he would tell you. I think, may, who knows what he would tell you, actually. Um, if he was here. But, but here's the big idea. And I read this verse at the very beginning of our gathering. Psalm 68 verse 5 says that God is the father of the fatherless and the protector of the widows. He's God. He's God. He's holy. And uh, that verse has always kind of spoken to my heart. Always has. And if you know anything about the world, and if you know anything about what's going on just globally, uh, UNICEF and some other global partners, they defined what, what it meant to be fatherless. And they determined, based on their definition, that there are nearly 140 million orphans globally. And so when I read verses like that, my heart just kind of goes, oh, thank you, God, that you are the father of the fatherless. And just in the United States, there's 19.7 million children. That's one in four children live without a father in the home. And so fatherless, I read these verses, and I, my heart just kind of melts a little bit when I think about how God is able to be the father of the fatherless and the protector of the widows. And what I know is this, I know this to be true, God is an adoptive father and, and there are none of us, if we call ourselves Christian and we're a part of God's family and the church family, then guess what? All of us have experienced some sort of adoption in the kingdom of God. All of us who are in the family are, by virtue, adopted into God's family. None of us are natural born into God's family. It happens along the way. And so I've learned more about the gospel, and I've learned more about Jesus through our own adoption story than I probably did with anything else. Because of our own journey of adoption, I'm able to understand some of what Jesus did and some of what Jesus thought and some of what Jesus taught and some of the things that Jesus accomplished. And the reason why was so that we could all be in. And the great miracle is that God has sent his son, Jesus, to adopt us, to bring us into his family, and the privilege that comes with this is unbelievable, and it's huge. And so it's literally called the doctrine of adoption. It's a unifying doctrine. It's actually one of the few doctrines that's not dividing, because it's actually bringing people together, Right? Bringing so many pieces of the Christian life together. When we talk about being a sin and we, when we talk about slavery, we can talk about being adopted out of that. And when we talk about being a child of God, now we can also talk about how, how God has revealed and, uh, 
this new earth and this new heaven, this place where we get to have everlasting life with our Father, and He gets to have everlasting life with His children without the interference of sin and hurt. We, we can talk about what it means to grow in Jesus because through adoption, God is now making us like brothers and sisters to Jesus. We can talk about growing in that. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to share some similarities. But first what I want to do is I t- tell you just a brief part of our story when it comes to our adoption story, all right? And uh, so let me show you some pictures here of our little journey, all right? And, and when I say little, it was not little, but there is not a word big enough to describe it, all right? And so you see the first picture right up there on the top right, that was ever before we got to meet Eli. That was the second picture we were given of him after he was born in a crib at the, at the orphanage home that he was at, all right? And down here in the dead center, why are we looking like we've been, you know, where and back? Well, because we had been. We're on a small island called St. Vincent in the Grenadines. It's nine miles by 11 miles wide, all right? And so it's little, and it's hot. humid so humid and the afternoon rain only made it more hot and more humid and that was after a day of standing in court and standing standing in court all day long our lawyer was the youngest and so they saw cases based on how old the lawyer was we made a mistake Youngest is usually the cheapest. Now we know why, because you can save 12 hours of your life. (laughs) If you hire an older, more expensive lawyer, you get to see the judge first. But that was the day that uh, Eli officially became our son. And he, we became his mom and dad. And if you ask him who his mom is, she's sitting over there. And he'll say, he'll say, I have a birth mom, and I grew in her tummy, but I grew in my mama's heart. Right? And he understands that. He gets that. We did have a few great moments, all right? So we got to swim in a swimming pool in Barbados while we waited to be approved to come back home. And some of you have heard this, but while we were there, for the first time ever, the passport computer system crashed and we were in Barbados for a week and I know some of you think oh that must be really rough it it was uh hell in paradise let's just put it that way right and so we every day had to drive to the embassy sometimes three times a day and uh, we had to wait in line, and we had to wait and see if we could come home yet today, only to be told that the computer system was still crashed. And so our hotel was having a convention. We had to move hotels. We went to a hotel that made the Motel 6 look like a five-star resort. <laughs> True story. And uh, we didn't leave the hotel, all right, <laughs> because it was that part of town. Um, all of that happened as we think of the story. Finally, on the bottom left, we're able to, we're able to fly home only to have our plane break down. (laughs) And we had to stay one more night, (laughs) one more night before we could come home. There's a lot when I think of our adoption story that relates to what I think 
Jesus has done for us. How many of you have been adopted or are adoptive parents or know somebody who has gone through adoption? Let me see. That's all right. That's good. Good. So, so some of you will be able to resonate with some of what I'm talking about here, I hope. And, and that's the goal. And, and so I want to read from you Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4 says this. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son, where? Into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, you are no longer a slave, but you are a son or a daughter. And if you are a son or a daughter, then you are an heir through God. Man, do you capture what this verse is saying, what these verses are saying? We, we were enslaved, we were entrapped, we were stuck in the world, but because of Jesus, we are set free. We are set free from the slavery of sin and we are adopted as sons of God, daughters of God. And if this is the case, then the Spirit lives within us and we cry out, Abba, Father, and we become heirs to the kingdom of God. And so what are some similarities? I've got seven or eight of them. We'll see how far we get, all right? The first one is this, adoption is planned. Adoption is planned. When we set out to adopt, we thought about it. We actually had to go to seminars. We had to watch online school. We had to read books. We had to check our finances. We had to do all of this thing. Nobody haphazardly goes into adoption without actually thinking about it and considering it. And so in Galatians right here, there was a plan that was involved in this adoption. Do you feel it? The fullness of time had come. The fullness of time had arrived. And God sent forth who? Jesus, he sent forth his son. And this language seems to be language of intentionality, purpose, planning that was involved. At just the right time, God sent his son. God knew exactly what he was doing. This was plan A, not plan B, because adoption was never plan B of God's plan. Adoption was always plan A. And sometimes, sometimes, that's what happens. Infertility can't have children. It's a struggle. And so adoption becomes plan B. Sarah had always kind of had in her mind, even when we were talking about getting married, hey, you know what? I think I want to adopt. I think I want to adopt. Now, some circumstances may have pushed that forward, but before there was creation, God had planned. He planned to adopt us. If you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, it's not by accident. It's by God's good, loving grace and his everlasting love. Man, would you think about that for a moment? When we were knit together in our mother's womb, he had already desired to bring you in as his son or his daughter. He intimately knows us, Scripture teaches us. 
with a plan to bring us in. Let that soak in. Marvel at that. Another characteristic or another similarity is adoption requires the right qualifications. When we set out to adopt Eli, we were checked out. And I mean background checks and home studies and bank statements and tax returns and what car we drove and how many exits we had in our house. I mean, all of this stuff was checked out so that we could be approved, so that we could find approval to be adopted. There are background checks, all sorts of questions, logs and logs and logs of questions that had to be answered even before we could begin the journey. But when it comes to our adoption, there's only one who's qualified. There's only one who's qualified. When it comes to our adoption, there's only one who is able to do this. God sent who? Jesus. Sent Jesus. Which means he's fully divine. Fully, totally, completely divine. Yet he's born of a woman. And so here he is, fully man and fully God, holding both characteristics at the exact same time. How many of you have always found that to be somewhat of a mystery? How Jesus is fully God and fully man all at the same time. And raise your hand. Let me see. Yes. Good. Good. We're all normal here. All right. Anybody else have that absolutely figured out? Because if you do, let's talk afterwards. Okay. This is the mystery. Fully God, fully man. As a man, he was 33 years old. But as God, he was eternal. As a man, he got hungry and he needed to eat. But as God, he was the bread of life and could feed a multitude. As a man, as a man, he got hungry or thirsty and he needed a drink. But as God, he was the living water that was able to last and quench our thirst forever. And as a man, he cried and he wept at the tomb of Lazarus. But as God, he was able to call him out of death and raise him from the dead. And as a man, he got tired and he slept on a boat. But as God, he was able to command the waves to be still. As a man, he was nailed on the cross. And as God, he was raised from the dead. Listen, there's only one who qualifies to adopt us. And he is the one who has conquered death. He is the one. There will never be another Jesus. There never has been. There will be. He's not one of many. He's the only one. He's the true one. He's God sent heaven's very best for us. His son, Jesus. And he's the only one who has the right qualifications to bring us into his family. He's the only one. Here's another one. Adoption is costly. Adoption is costly. Six years ago. And in some ways, we're still paying for it. And it's not just, it's not just the physical mo the money cost. It's the bringing him into our family. And making him, making him feel, man, that he's one of ours. The, the adoption costs. It costs when it comes to our, job, our adoption. When it comes to our adoption, it costs Jesus his life. And it costs Jesus his blood. 
He was born under the law, yet he was able to keep the law every day of his life so that he could save those who were under the law. The law crushes us, and we can't keep it on our own. It's not possible. It tells us that we're not righteous and that we don't deserve righteousness. So we needed a law fulfiller, one who was obedient for us in our place. And Jesus obeyed for us every day that he was alive. He obeyed for us. He didn't just die for us, but he lived for us too. And he lived for us so that he could complete what we couldn't complete He lived the life that we weren't capable of living. He lived the perfect life and he died the necessary death. It cost him so much for us to be brought into his family, this family called God's family, the church family. It cost him dearly. It cost him everything, absolutely everything. Another one is this. Adoption saves children from desperate circumstances. Desperate circumstances. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of orphanages, but orphanages are some of the coldest places on the planet. They just are. They're full of children who have been neglected, who have had no affection. Some, unfortunately, have even experienced abuse at such a little age. And before we were Christians, guess what? We were kind of in desperate circumstances too. What do I mean? One slaved in false gods. How many of you have ever served the false god of success? Nobody. Oh, this is great. Man, awesome. How many of you have ever served the false god of um, money? A few more. All right. How many of you have ever served a false god of you fill in the blank of anything? Okay. All right. There's still some perfect among us. That's good. That's good. How many of you have ever been dead in your sins? How many of you have ever experienced alienation from God? How many of you have ever been hopeless in our world? See, we need to be purchased for our adoption. And guess what? God did all of that. He not only created us, made us with purpose and with intentionality and with passion. We were designed and created and knit together in our mother's womb. That wasn't enough for him just to create us. He had to buy us at a price too, and the price cost him dearly. It cost him his son. Adoption also involves a legal change. Man, I'll never forget our court day. We were there a long time. Finally, we get to go in the courtroom. There are two cases, by the way. There are two cases left for the entire rest of the day. Ours was the last one. So there's one before us. And right before the people before us were supposed to go see this judge, she decides to take a lunch break. And I see her come out. She'd already seen like 12 people that day, so she waits for a lunch break for the last two. I'm pretty sure the two last lawyers ticked her off at some point. And so she thought, oh, I'm going to lunch now. So finally, we get to go into the courtroom, and we're sitting in these chairs just in the back, and the birth mom, Eli's birth mom, is sitting over here. What a day. What a day. 
somebody was given something pretty great up so that we could receive something pretty great. And for a moment, I kind of, I kind of just resonated with the heart of God. Because here we were receiving something, but to receive this, it would be so costly for someone else. I'll never forget the moment that she hit the gavel on the table and said, it's done. Eli is now your son. And I went, Whew. when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, there's this legal exchange that does happen. One moment, we're not in the family, but guess what? When we take the steps to become adopted, and we get the one moment, we're not, and the next moment, we are. And when God, the judge, declares that you're now righteous in the eyes and, and we're adopted into the family, we become a part of the family immediately. And when, you, when you're a believer, when you're a Christian, you get a new status, you get a new identity. The old is gone, the new has come. And for Eli that day, even though he'd only lived on this little island for eight months, everything in his life was about to change. Everything. He was going from 90 degree humid weather to Oregon. <laughs> and when you live on the island, everybody assumes the entire United States is like Florida. Nope. Not how it works. Everything changed. Literally everything changed. Another one is this. Adoption gives life in the spirit. Adoption gives life in the spirit. Eli has never seen legal paperwork. It's in our safe. It's locked up. He, he's not seen it. He doesn't ask for it. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? I just want to make sure you're really my mom and dad. Could you get that stuff out just to make sure that this is sure? Right? I, I tell him I, when we were talking about coming up here and having him share some things with you, I said, I just want to ask you a lot. Who's your dad? You. No, who's your dad? Thomas, Joseph, Santalanas. No, who's your dad? You are, right? It, 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 for it, he knows. He knows without seeing any legal paperwork. Yet he's our kid. And, and people, listen, when it comes to adoption, people ask some of the weirdest questions. Like, hey, are you going to tell him he's adopted? Nope. <laughs> You think I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not. Um, we were doing swim lessons. And while we were doing swim lessons, uh, he was crying for whatever reason that day. And so a lady swam up to me and she goes, well, don't they have swimming pools in Africa? And I went, what? I didn't even understand because I'd just come back from Africa. So I'm thinking, how does this lady know I went to Africa? I'm not making this up. So I'm like, yeah, they have swimming pools in Africa. Oh, he's not from Africa. People ask some really interesting questions, and we're really open to questions because then I can use them for sermon material. So 
Ask away, all right? Ask away. So people say, do you think he feels like your son? Yes. Yes. Why didn't you get a girl? You already had a boy. Well, it's not like we walked into Walmart and picked one off the shelf. <laughs> I, I can keep going. I think I'll stop, all right? My, my pause there was my filter determining what else I tell you and what I don't tell you, all right? If you want to know more, I've got a bag of them, Okay. And uh, we could keep sharing, but there's a sense, there is a sense, he belongs to us. And, and God, he sent his spirit, the spirit of his son, into our hearts so that we could cry, Abba, Father. Without the spirit in us, without Jesus, trans, this, this transformation through adoption, we could cry all day long. Without the spirit, without this adoption process, we can't say, Abba, Father, and cry out to him. In Romans 8, Paul says the fundamental proof that you are a child of God is that the Spirit of God is in you. And let me just tell you, if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I stand over here at Mountain View in 5 every week. And I want to tell you I can tell you exactly how you receive the Spirit of God in you. But for all of us, we become led by the Spirit of God. And those of us who are led by the Spirit of God become sons of God. We become children of God. His Spirit is bearing witness in us and through us that we belong to Him. Romans 8 says this, There is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of, sin, uh, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to what? The Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Man, do you hear that? One of the marks of being adopted is the Spirit in us and the Spirit's evidence through us so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, this is a privilege. In the darkest hours, we can cry out, not knowing that he will respond to our cry, but knowing he will respond to our cry. Why? Because he's our Father. And when Eli cries out, guess what? 
I'm there. When Tucker cries out, I'm there. When we cry out to our Father, He is there. This is privilege of sonship. And it's not just a, a vertical dimension. There's this horizontal dimension too. When I talk about this for my own life, Mark 10, when you follow me, Jesus says, I will give you more mothers and brothers and mothers and brothers, mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. And I like to tell people all the time, when I became a Christian, God gave me more mothers than one person can possibly handle. And at the same time, he filled a void with men in my life. Priceless. I, I, I tell people, you had a father? I get to one-up you. I had many who have poured into me and poured into my life. And guess what? Eli's got a father. But he also has a father. And when he cries, guess what happens? We are there. And this is, this is huge because we're brought into a family. And look around. Whether you ask for them or not, here they are. All shapes and sizes. All different colors and moods. All sorts of different baggage. Wow. We're brought in. And guess what? We're tighter than blood. The family of God is tighter than blood because we're united through Jesus' blood. This is huge. Last one. Adoption literally transforms every aspect of life. Literally transforms every aspect. When the Spirit of God comes into our heart, guess what? God and the Spirit begin fighting sin and changing us from the inside out. And I love what God's doing. I call it the Galatians 5 movement, right? Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against those things there is no law. And when we are adopted, guess what God does? God continues to persist. Although being patient with us, he shapes us into the image of his son, Jesus. And he's given us this new appetite and this aspiration to be like Jesus in his life. And this is what adoption does. Adoption gives us purpose. It gives us a vision of who we are to become and what we are to do in this life so that we can glorify Jesus and glorify God. And just like I know Eli wants to make his mom and dad so proud. Just like Eli. I mean, people say, well, you know what? He, he's adopted. He's picked up Sarah's bad traits. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, for not being your birth mom, you should act like her sometimes, all right? <laughs> and then he'll turn around and he'll say something I say. Don't let your mom hear that. But you know what? Eli wants to make us proud. He does. And, and when this change happens in us, guess what? We want to make God our Father proud. We want to live our life in such a way that we get to glorify Him. Because He's worthy to be glorified. When we're adopted, we're no longer slaves. We're sons. And we're daughters. And if we are a son or a daughter, then we are an heir. 
and it has not been fully revealed as to what this exactly means, but I know it's big, really big. We can know that we have an inheritance that's coming to us. And it's bigger than what we can imagine and bigger and better than what we could even begin to dream about. It would be one thing if we could just enjoy the benefits of being adopted in this life. We have the Spirit in us and we have a family of brothers and sisters to enjoy this life with. That would be enough in and of itself. But Paul reminds us continually in his writings that the best is yet to come. The best is still on its way. And the worth of an inheritance is determined by the worth of the person giving it, not the person receiving it. What do I know? I know God owns it all. And while we don't understand the full spectrum of the new heaven and the new earth and everything that's involved in that, we do know that we'll get God. We know that. Because he is our inheritance. And we'll get to be with God in his presence where, where nothing but goodness and nothing but mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And in a place where there are no more plane crashes and no more tsunamis and no more orphan beds and no more disease and no more cancer and no more death, we'll get to be with God, our Father, in all of his glory, in all of his splendor. We'll get to be with him. I hope there's some of you in here today who are saying, what do I need to get some of that? I really do. And you know what I would tell you? The first step is this. Just simply say yes to being adopted. Simply say yes. And if you don't know what that means, if you don't understand what it entails and, and what the process looks like, I'm over here every week, Mountain View and Five, come talk to me. If there's 20 of you, I'll find 20 people to talk to you, all right? Seriously. The most common question I get, man, I'd love to belong to Jesus. I'd love to be connected to the church family. I say, you can't be connected. You're in. If you take the steps, man, you are in. This is the question. I'm too bad. I've messed up too big. I've blown it too wide to be adopted. And can I just tell you, it's not true. <laughs> he doesn't adopt us because of our attractive merits. None of us look that good. None of us have accomplished that much. None of us have enough to be adopted to earn our way. He adopts us because of his amazing mercy and grace. We're in the family anticipating the glory that is to be revealed by his mercy. And so hear this. If you're a great sinner, you're a great candidate to be adopted into the family of God. That's all that's necessary. If you're a great sinner, something not necessarily to be proud of, but if you are, you're the perfect candidate to be adopted. How do I know this? Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. 
John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the inheritance. Now, for most of us in this room, probably this morning, you've received adoption into the family of God, haven't you? Yes? Yeah, yeah. So what's the message about for you? Well, the message for us is this. We should probably live out Ephesians 5.1. Well, what's Ephesians 5.1? It says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And so what's the rule? Man, we need to show his adopting love to the broken world. Well, how do we do it? We need to be imitators of our Father. And Eli, he wants to be like me. Tucker, he wants to be like me. How many of you grew up wanting to be like your dads? Yeah. Now, when we're adopted into God's family, there's a task to be accomplished. And the task is this, that I become as much like him as I possibly can. That I imitate him. And when when God would do this, guess what I do? I do that too. When God would think this about this, guess what I think? I think like God does. My father does. I want to imitate him because he's the perfect example to me. I want to be like him. I want to look like him. I want the world when they look at me to see my dad. I want the world to see my father. And so believer, sons and daughters, what God would say is look like him. So all of us have a challenge today. Maybe you want to be adopted. Man, I'm ready to talk to you. Maybe you've already been adopted. Let me remind you, you are no longer a slave. You are free because of the price that Jesus has paid for us. So stop acting and living as if we're still slaves. We need to start living and acting as if we are free. Free to what? Become like our Father. To live like him, to look like him, to think like him, to do like he would. Why? Because there's a lot of lost people out here who are fatherless and hopeless. There's so much despair and disappointment. There's discouragement. And then there's the false gods that we live for and we pursue after only for them to let us down over and over and over again. Man, if you could hear this in your heart today, there is a father who loves you so much that he doesn't even care about all of that stuff. And when you cry for him, he's there. You can't look good enough. You can't do enough. You can't pay enough. You can't be successful enough. Because he's already bought you at a price. And the price was his one and only son, Jesus. So let's stop living like slaves. And let's start living as imitators of God. I want you to think about that. 
We're going to sing a song in a moment that just speaks to this message. But if you're in Jesus, the Spirit's in you. If you're in Jesus, we have a task to imitate our Father. So let's stand and let's sing about that.